0: Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at thecrossing.cc. Starting a new series called Jesus Walks. Everybody say, Jesus Walks. We're going to be walking with Jesus from here all the way through the Easter weekend. We're going to walk with him. We're going to walk up the hill. We're going to walk to the cross. We're going to walk to the grave, and we're going to walk out the other side of that grave. Isn't it interesting that uh, probably the only place in the world where you go and line up to see nothing is in uh, Jerusalem at the, uh, at the, in the garden where you go to see the tomb. You go to see the tomb to see that nothing is there. And uh, people line up and they do tours all day long looking at nothing. And that's because our Jesus isn't there. He got up. So uh, so here, here's our first sermon. This is called Jesus Walks on Your Storms. Matthew 14, 22. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hillsides to pray. Night fell while they were there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. Everybody say, in trouble. They were in trouble far from the land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And at three o'clock in the morning, and really the translation is on in the fourth watch, which is between three and six AM. Three AM in the morning, they saw him walking on a the water, they were terrified, and in their fear they cried out, It's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called him and said, Lord, if it's really you, tell me, command me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw a strong wind and wave, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately "'reached out his hand and grabbed him. "'You have so little faith,' Jesus said. "'Why did you doubt me?' "'When they climbed back in the boat, "'the wind stopped, the disciples worshiped him. "'You really are the Son of God,' they exclaimed.'" Well, I wanna talk today, and this is not exactly where I was gonna start uh, talking about storms, but this last Thursday, some of our local pastors got together, we do every month, got together, and we, we gathered in a circle And uh, we we were holding hands and we were praying. And when we concluded our time of prayer, one of the the local pastors said, okay, fellas, everybody put your palms up. And uh, we've got all kinds of different uh, traditions uh, represented in that group of pastors. This wasn't our, our staff pastors, these were community pastors. And so we've got Anglican and all kinds of folks. So I thought, well, it must be some special day like Palm Thursday or something, and I just don't know, but I don't wanna look unintelligent, so I'm like all holy. But uh, he takes out his hand sanitizer, and everybody in the circle, he goes blip, 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 blip. And so I, while I'm rubbing my hands, I said, so Pastor Clark, what's the occasion? Uh, Because I didn't know what spiritual day it was. And uh, all the pastors begin to talk, and uh, I guess I've had my head in the sand, the talk was this, that Costco uh, was out of water and hand sanitizers, and Sam's out of water and hand sanitizers, and, and, uh, and, and I knew there was, Stacey had had trouble getting water at the Sam's or something. I, I'll be just honest, I didn't realize how, how close to panicked the world is right now, and in our area, folks are, about the coronavirus, now I want to be very careful how I say this because I'm, there's no shame in you know feeling fear about that. This isn't a shaming thing. I just honestly uh, d- didn't you know I-, I see the coronavirus and I, I'm aware and I know places are shutting down and we're having issues with uh, getting our stuff in and out of China. I get it, but I, I didn't I didn't realize that that the uh, And I'm going to call it panic because it it looks like that to me. You know, when you watch the news, please hear me. You can be responsible. I've got hand sanitizer in my car, and I have had. It just lives there. It has forever. I'm in a social environment, and I keep my, you know, I wash my hands. I have to wash the fellowship. That's what I say. i got to wash the fellowship off my hands. Uh, And uh, so it's not about whether you, you, uh, by the way, if you're the one who bought up all that hand sanitizer, you know, sell it for about a hundred bucks a bottle right now and make a donation to the building. That's what you should do. I'm all good with that. But um, it 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 feels a bit of an overreaction. And uh, here's what I know: um, fear is entertaining to us in a weird kind of sick way. People get more excited about what could go wrong than what could go right. And uh, and. Please hear me. Because of my age, I lived through the 80s and the 90s, when um, the HIV/AIDS epidemic and virus started coming on. And I've, I've got to say, I am so thankful that there was no internet and there wasn't 24/7 news going on during the AIDS epidemic, because uh, the HIV virus, when it came onto the, to the to, into our world, at least we got aware of it. It, it was there for a little while. But in the 70s and 80s, you know, Rock Hudson died or, and uh, some other rock stars, some famous people start dying, and the homosexual community began to be infected in great numbers. And, uh, and, and then uh, a good friend of mine that played just a monster jazz player in the Houston kind of jazz scene, and he got saved before he died, but uh, he never told any of us. He started losing weight. And uh, this guy that played all the KSBJ stuff, some of you are old enough to remember, we had these KSBJ concerts and played for Amy Grant and Curtis Chapman and all these big artists. And he played in that band with me. And, and uh, man, I get a call one day that Craig, Craig died, died of AIDS. And uh, in, in, the, in the Houston music scene, you know, cocaine and heroin, big deal. A lot of these players were mainlining and he had got into Bad Needles was exchanging needles but back in that day uh if you were diagnosed with HIV for a, probably 10 to 12 to 15 years it was just about a death sentence i mean so different than than coronavirus this is like 3% and we don't have good data i don't even think we have good data yet it hadn't been going long enough to actually get really solid data we got people that are under pressure to give you some bad news in a hurry and uh, somebody trying to give them the best information they can give them. We, I don't think we're going to have good data for a while on how bad this is. But here's what we do know. What they do know is about 3% of people who already have some, some, uh, some things going on in their body or they're kind of uh, already compromised, they're, they're, they're having some fatality. But that means 97% of people are surviving. And uh, we've all, had, probably everybody in here has had the flu at some point. I mean, it's no fun, but uh, it's far worse than, than this is, at least, at least for your chances of getting it. And uh, you're gonna be just fine. You're just gonna have body aches and you know, be grouchy and hard to be with for a little while. But after that, you're gonna be fine. I, again, I'm no doctor. Uh, but back when the AIDS epidemic hit, the church especially Got excited because we can also start participating in enjoying predicting bad news as if it's spiritual. And uh, I want to tell you something it's not a spiritual gift of discernment to be suspicious that in a fallen world, with fallen people on a fallen planet, that fallen things are going to happen. That's not discernment. That's just, that's just. Suspicious predicting, you predict enough, you're gonna get some things right. I tell you, it's a far better use of a prophetic gift to see the natural course of a fallen world playing out and you begin to speak with courage and change the course of it, that. Now I would salute and say, now there's a spiritual gift, but just to be suspicious that bad things are gonna happen. And there are guys that I, I love and respect that were predicting that a third of the world, because at that point, 30% of people who got AIDS were gone. I mean, the numbers were horrible. So it was it was pretty much a death sentence. And there were pastors that were preaching and writing books that this was the plague of God to, to uh, you know, one of those seven bowls of revelation to wipe out a third of the earth. And uh, man, we Christians got excited about that and uh, oh, oh, it, it's kind of weird how we get enthused with this stuff. But uh, I'm speaking all this today because I believe there's a storm in our nation. And I believe some of you walked in here in some storms and it doesn't have anything to do with coronavirus storms. But this is one that's just visible before us. And I wanna say what Jesus is saying. And this is a word for anybody here that's in a storm. I'm here, don't be afraid. You can be responsible without being afraid. And so I just want, that, that's really what I want to talk to you about, that if you're here in a storm now, what does a storm look like? You could be in a marriage storm. You could be in a financial storm. Uh, you could be in an emotional storm. You're dealing with depression, discouragement, the inner verdicts that have been adjudicated over you by people that, uh, you know, have broken you, words spoken. Uh, you can be in a spiritual storm, You're second-guessing you know, things because of your circumstances. You could be in a a, a physical storm as in disease, sickness, coronavirus. I mean, you could have these kind of fears. So there's people in storms today, and I want to tell you what Jesus would tell you. And uh, and it is this, by the way, Luke 21, Jesus says, in the last days, there's going to be plagues like this. But then he also says this, men's hearts are going to fail them because of fear. Not because of virus, because of fear. And so I, I, I bring this message today to encourage you, uh, and I don't know what president or who said it, probably wasn't a president, but we, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. I mean, I can prove that biblically, though it's not said that clearly in any place in scripture. Fear is a far bigger enemy because when you're fearful, you don't think straight. You're not thinking straight, and so and You're not gonna make good decisions, and the opposite of fear fear is a prophetic spirit prophesying that God won't be in your future. Prophecy, faith, is a prophetic spirit saying, whether it's good or bad, God is gonna be with you. He's gonna be with you. So everybody's gonna go through storms. If you're not in one, you're about to go in one. You can tell a Christian who's not in a storm because they talk all cocky about the scripture. You know, when you're not in a storm, you go, ah, oh, you, just, you just need to have more faith. Uh, it's the Lord of God who's at work within you. You claim scriptures, your your words are correct, but your attitude stinks. Yeah. No one likes you. Uh, you know, honestly, when you're all religious and cocky like that, all you need to fix that is a good storm. Yeah. All of a sudden, what you are all bossy and cocky about, when you go through a storm, your tone changes because you realize, wow, it's a lot easier to preach and talk about it, you know, big and bad when you're in Bible study than to actually go through it. And so uh, first thing that Jesus says when you're in a storm, is there anybody here that's in a storm? Any, any, anybody in storms other than Julian? Julian's been in a storm. <laughs> Pastor Randy's in a storm. Here's the first thing that God says to us. Do not be afraid, I'm here. Don't be afraid, I'm here. Pastor, if God, and here's the first place this fear turns up. We tend to think that if he was here, I wouldn't be in a storm. So if you're newly saved, here's what I've noticed. I don't have biblical proof of it. If you're new to faith, God tends to pamper you more. But that doesn't mean he loves you more. It just means he pampers you more. But as you start to grow up, I have found that even though I pray and I can't figure out why nobody up there seems to wear a watch Everything moves slow. It's like, hey, here, here's the first fear you've got to deal with. God, do you even know that I'm going through this? Do you even know I'm going through this? T.D. Jakes said it best: don't let the presence of a storm make you doubt the presence of God. Don't let the presence of a storm make you doubt the presence of God. I bring this point out, and I've got a bunch of scripture here, but for the sake of time, write this note down and go and look at it. Jeremiah 15, Jeremiah is one of the good guys, and he's telling God, God, I'm one of the good guys. Everybody else is sinning and doing, I'm, I'm here trying to do your work, and I'm speaking your word, and nobody likes me, and this isn't going well, and he asked this question. Since I'm one of the good guys, and you're supposed to be my God, why has my pain been perpetual, just chronically perpetual and you don't stop my pain. And then he accuses God and and I've done it and some of you have thought it if you hadn't said it. God, I keep hoping on you and believing that you're gonna be water and I get there and it's like a mirage in the desert. Jeremiah says this, you're like a stream that fails me. I get to it and it's just more dirt and I'm disappointed again. Has anybody else ever been that real with God? man, I've been that real with God. God, where the heck are you? This has gone on long enough. God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, you need to take those words back. If you'll extract the precious from the vial, I'll make you my spokesman. But what he was saying was this. You're not a spokesman just because I speak to you. You're a spokesman when you've become a witness, and a witness has seen something and done something. And hear me now. The Holy Spirit's number one job in your life is to make you a witness. And we think that means come to class, take good notes, memorize the scripture, and then quote them when you're out there for people who are in storms. Nobody's listening to you. We got plenty of information. Nobody's listening to the philosophers, even good Christian philosophy. I'm not degrading the power of the word of God. I'm just saying how it sounds when somebody has no scars, And how it sounds from somebody that has scars, the listener hears it different. And the Holy Spirit's job is to make you a witness, not a philosopher, which means if you're going to say, I'm more than a conqueror, I'm going to ask you, what have you conquered? Well, it doesn't mean that positionally I'm a conqueror. Nobody cares. No, I mean, if, if your job's to be a witness now, you've witnessed something. And as a cagey old veteran who loves to quote stuff, you're gonna outquote what you've actually lived. People are gonna, gonna listen to what you've witnessed, right? We overcome, brother lamb, word of our testimony. What have you been through? And here, here, the Holy Spirit is gonna leave you in some fires that you think he ought to deliver you from. And you're gonna ask this question, am I not in the will of God? Where the heck are you? If you're present, why am I still in this mess? And here's my biblical answer. I don't know. I don't know. If I were God, I'd get me out of this. That's what I tell him all the time. Look, if I were you, I wouldn't put me through this. But here's what he's doing. He's building some credibility in you. He's not gonna let you die there. But when you go through storms, and why do I say this? These disciples got out in the middle of the water and the storm came. And I'm guessing it says at nightfall, he went to pray and they left. So let's say at 8.30, they got in the boat. Why in the heck is he showing up at 3 a.m.? How about 10.30? Right? How about midnight? You wait till it's almost, and that'd be the best get, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., somewhere before the sun comes up. It's a little late. We've been out here a long time. It would be easy to say, are we not in the will of God? No. Jesus said, you guys get in that boat and cross that lake, and they obeyed. They were in the perfect will of God and the storm still came. Here's what I just want to just calm everybody. You can be in the middle of a storm and and think, I must have done something wrong. You're fine. You're fine. You're right, perfect in the the perfect will of God, and he's there, and the fact that the storm didn't calm doesn't mean he's not there. Your peace is not found because the storm calms. It's because he's there, and he's teaching you something. All right? Number two under that, all fear is not, uh, is not the same as the spirit of fear. So, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. I say that just so you understand. I don't want anybody to feel shamed because you deal with fear. Because you're a human being, fear is gonna come up. Just because you have that emotion doesn't mean you're, your spirit's infected with, with fear. What you do with that now is going to determine whether your, your spirit is infected with fear because there's lots of people that have a spirit of fear. I'm not talking about demonic spirit. I'm talking about your spirit is prone toward, looks for, anticipates, and in, in a weird way, you found identity in all the things you're suspicious could go wrong. And the way you do that, the Bible tells us don't have any fellowship with darkness, have no fellowship. What does fellowship mean? It means this. Hey, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Hey, let's just get there and eat together. Hey, let's talk about things. Well, I found this to be a, a, bit, um, a bit of a worse virus than coronavirus. In fact, the worst virus going on in the planet right now, it has nothing to do with coronavirus. It's fear. Yeah. Fear is driving people to do things, masses of people to do things. And uh, I'm telling you, God is here. Don't be afraid of coronavirus. But nonetheless, uh, God, you're going to feel some initial anytime something happens in your life, you're going to feel some initial uh, oh my gosh, I, I, I was watching a, a television show, and it just went on and on and on, show after the show, And it was uh, when uh, animals attack. And what I learned from that was, if you're one, if you're out in the ocean and sharks are swimming around you, you should be afraid. <laughs> this is not going to go well. Uh, if a if a bear charges you, these are all testimonies. I heard personally, so I'm, I'm not testimony of them, but I know somebody. If a bear charges you, comes up on all fours, and your pepper spray doesn't work, be very afraid. You're, hopefully, you're gonna make it onto this show, hopefully. Anyway, there's things to be afraid of when the doctor comes and says, this is what the report is. Of course, you're gonna fear. The, the question is, so I'm feeling this, Am I gonna fellowship with it? And uh, this is when you start to determine, let me just give it to you like this. How many of you have ever worried? Yeah, we all have, I have too. Worry is meditating on what you fear. So I'm just doing that to let you know you already know how to meditate. Faith is meditating, doing the same thing, on the Word of God. I've, I've had a battle for you know many years. I say a battle every once in a while. Last night at two in the morning, last night, two in the morning, uh, I wake up and immediately all the undone things that I'm responsible to get done, mostly things I can't control, people I can't control, things I can't control. All of a sudden I wake up and this has not been unusual for me. My mind will start trying to figure out what am I going to do about that? And there's been nights where I stay awake two or three hours, and it, I start fellowshipping with that worry, and I, I was good at it at one time, where just oh, just ringing my head, oh God, oh God, oh God. So here's what I've learned to do. Years ago, I started doing this. This morning at 2 a.m., here's what I did. The worry hit. I felt that. Oh man, if I start now, I'm not going to get any sleep, and I got to preach tomorrow. Blah blah. blah. Well, so here's what I do. I just start quoting scriptures. They, they don't have to have anything to do with what I'm worried about. I'm just shifting where I'm gonna focus my mind and I have a choice in it. I just started going, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in this cushy soft bed. You know, he puts these heavy covers over me, covers me and drops the temperature to 67 degrees so it's nice and cold. So I don't wanna get out of bed. He comforts me. I just start quoting that there's therefore now no condemnation for me who's in Christ Jesus. The law of the Spirit, and it just, just on and on and on. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He'll be like a tree planted. And I just focus my mind on those things. And you know what? This morning at 2 a.m. by about 2.05, I don't remember anything after that because I went to sleep. Meditating. Okay, now this is your, your you, you got to do this part, okay? You got to go to war for you. Point number three, all fear is not a spirit of fear, okay? uh Point number three, though, respond to the intimidating fear storm with faith because you're close to your next blessing, okay? And this was important, I felt like God dropped this in me. One of the ways that you go to war with fear is understanding, let me give it to you this way. The children of Israel had no fear of giants until when? They were right, right, right in front of their blessing, their promised land. They didn't have to deal with the fear of giants until they came up to the promised land. When they got to the promised land, all of a sudden they knew the first time what it felt like to fear giants, and they blinked. I have found this to be a principle. These disciples, Simon Peter, you know, God let him, Jesus let him sit out there in the middle of that for hours and hours and hours, let him fall and fail, picked him back up, all that stuff. Do you know what was happening in Simon Peter? Because you find this, you're going to find this pattern in Simon Peter's life throughout the Gospels. Starts with big faith, has a drop, gets back up. What he didn't know was this. Simon Peter, you're gonna t- this is Jesus talking. You're going to take my place as the leader of this, these disciples, and y'all are going to birth the church that's going to save the planet. You're near you're close to your next blessing. When I was, uh, took a, two, two and a half years off out of ministry, I left ministry at 88 to 92 or three. I left ministry because I thought God was done with me and I thought I was done with ministry. Uh, I just just uh, The people of the Lord were driving me crazy and I, I just, I didn't know if I was built for it. I really didn't, I didn't know if I was built for this. And so I, I went out to go try to find fame and fortune, but it was a dry, dry two and a half per- year period. And during that period, uh, I was getting all kinds of ministry opportunities that had nothing to do with titles or paychecks or anything else, and it was wonderful. And one of them was the owner of the company I worked for had a a, a missions outreach in Guyana, South America. And so I I went and uh, did all kinds of ministry, saw people saved so easy. Man, you get out of this country and people get saved. There's a hunger for the gospel. It's not so saturated and everybody doesn't know everything. It's kind of nice. But... as well, there was a pastor, and I saw him preaching, and he, he just was intriguing to me. An uh, African American man, a Guyanese, but he was very prophetic, and he unveiled the word of God in a very prophetically insightful way. And, uh, you know, I was just drawn to him. We went to an ice cream social after this event, and in that church culture, commoners aren't supposed to approach the man of God. I didn't know that. I was like, hey, dude. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was a very respectful culture. He was sitting by himself, very dignified, eating his, his ice cream. I didn't know any better, thank God. I walked up to him and I sheepishly sat down beside him and I just said, look, I'm, I'm not even sure why I need to talk to you, but I, I just so appreciate how you handle God's word. And he put his ice cream, he never said anything really nice to me. He put his ice cream comb down like he was a little bothered, and he said, I'm supposed to pray for you. And he puts his hands on me, and he says, the prophetic gift that is in me is in you. And I'm going to give you, this is God speaking, I'm giving you prophetic insight to unveil my word so that people can hear it. I'm speaking this over your life. He stops, he picks up his ice cream and doesn't say anything to me. I was like, okay. And uh, go back that night to, and it was meaningful. It was a meaningful moment for me. Go back that night to a negative three-star hotel there in Guyana. It was like a, like a really bad Motel 6, a condemned Motel 6. Nothing wrong with Motel 6, hallelujah. It just It was bad. So concrete floor, you know, one thin sheet. It was awful. For you know, a pampered American. Oh God, the work of the Lord is so hard. But, uh, in the middle of the night, though, I'm laying there on my back with this, and uh, the room gets darker than it was, and a presence comes in that room. A a, and I'll say it this way: it was a demonic personality that came into the room. I've never been as terrified before or since in my life it marked a moment and it could have marked a, a moment in a bad way my eyes were open but that person i mean i could feel it moving in the room and i kept my eyes were open i was expecting to hear it breathe i thought it was i was anticipating because it was so present and i was terrified i opened my eyes I'm trying to speak. I can't get any words out. I can't move. I'm afraid to move because I'm thinking if I move my head, I'm trying to look over to find where there might be a light switch without turning my head because I didn't want to spook this demon and have him knock a lamp over. And then we're going to be at a whole other level, you know. (laughs) uh, I'm sure that's in the Bible. So I'm laying there and terrified. And I'm trying to look over. And all of a sudden, I hear the Holy Spirit say this Randy, he's come to steal the seed. He's come to steal the seed. And in a second, there was a download. Jesus had a parable. The word of God is seed, he said, and it's sown, and birds come and and pick it up. And he said, when the birds come and pick it up, that's a picture of how Satan comes when my word is sown. Satan comes to try to get to it quickly. I want you to know, Satan is an abortionist. He kills things in baby form. He comes to kill them. And, man, if you don't know, sometimes we're, we're not... Our storm is not because of a lack of faith, it's because of a lack of knowledge. We don't understand what the warfare. So man, immediately I understood, wait a minute, this is exactly what Jesus said, I've come to steal the seed, he's gonna steal the seed. When the Holy Spirit spoke that and I'm sitting there motionless, the, the fear didn't go away, the presence didn't leave, nothing like that. We wrestle with flesh and blood. We don't punch them out. I found it to be true, we wrestle. Mike Tyson punches and knocks him out in the first three seconds. Wrestling means I push, they push. You push, you push, but you keep pushing. I I got myself up. I threw my legs over on this cold concrete floor and I stood up and I was looking for that light. But I said this, you can't have the seed. And when I got the first words out, I began to be able to pray. You will not steal this seat. God has given me this. You cannot have it. And the more I prayed and I got to that light and got the light on, the devil doesn't like lights, apparently, uh, at least I like light. Uh, so if there's a devil in the room, try to get the light on, that's all I'm saying. So anyway, got that light on and began to walk around my room and just, just, just able to say, praise you God. Thank you, Jesus, I'm victorious in this. And you know what, went back to sleep. Now, what I did not know uh, in this dry time is that when I got back within just a number of months, that this church was going to go through some turmoil and I was going to be asked to come back and uh, be on staff and to help the church, Stacy and I, to help this church through a tumultuous time. This was under another pastor and had another name. And that I'd be asked to be the the interim pastor and that ultimately, you know, know, the rest is history, that we would become the crossing church and all that. I, I didn't know that I was close. Some of you are in a place now where, You're very close to your next blessing, the next season of ministry in your life, the next time of blessing. You're very close. It doesn't feel like it because all you're doing is thinking about the giant you're having to face. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. If giants weren't fighting you, there would be nothing for you to fight against. There's a reason why those things are coming to try to stop you. All right, take me seriously. I know it's gonna sound hooky spooky to some of you like, ah, everything's not a demon. Everything's not a demon. But some of you, the Holy Spirit right now, as I'm saying this, it's resonating. You're going, yep, I think that's it. You need to go to war with your fear and you need to say this, you can't have seed. I'm not getting, whatever God had, that promised land, I'm not walking away. I'll I'll fight giants or die trying, but my blessing that God has promised me, I'm going for it. You're not gonna intimidate me out of that. Be encouraged. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's only point number two. Let me move very quickly. Move toward Jesus in faith in this storm. Move toward Jesus in faith, and here's all I want to say to you on this. Simon Peter was known for having good starter faith. He struggled with finishing faith, and here's what I want you to hear. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed if you, if you think, you know what? I've got encouragement. I'm good at starting. I have a hard time finishing if you've got enough, Jesus said this. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, I just need a little tiny bit. Simon Peter, time after time, would jump up and say, "Praise God! I can do this. This is going to be fantastic!" And out of the boat he goes. He gets a wave. He gets terrified. The scripture says, and he falls down. But and it and it looks like a failure. And and a, you know, I used to preach this like most preachers preach it where Jesus said, oh, Simon Peter, what is wrong with you? Why did you, what happened to your faith? Oh my God, and I've heard so many preachers preach it like Jesus was like, oh, for Christ, can, can, can anybody around here walk on water but me? I don't think that was his tone at all. I think he said, Peter, you were full of faith. You were doing good, buddy. What caused that faith flush, that, that depletion of faith? And here's, here's, here's what I want you to hear. If you've got enough faith for the next move, which is this, which is what Peter had, Jesus, help me. Yeah. Pastor, that doesn't sound very faith-filled. All you need a little bit. Yeah. Jesus needs something to work with. I mean, they brought him a sack lunch and he fed foul thousand. He doesn't need much to work with. And he said, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, if you've got, Jesus, help me. Get me out of this. Yeah. Help if you got enough faith to call that name, it says immediately Jesus picked him up and guess what they did between there and the boat? They walked on water again, yeah. right? Now we can give Peter a hard time, but you hadn't done it yeah. and I sure hadn't done it. Uh, so we're gonna fill the tub with water and anybody feels <laughs> feels good, we're gonna give you a shot. Here's, <laughs> here's the deal, here's all I want you to know. You can walk out of here full of faith and I'm, I'm gonna guarantee you there's gonna be a collapse of thunder and a wave's gonna come, and you're gonna get one of those depleting moments. You're just human, and Jesus isn't ashamed of you. The doctor's report comes back. You come, I am healed. I am healed head to foot, uh, north to south. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. You go to the doctor, and they give you a report, and they go, oh, still there. You're gonna have that normal depletion. That's just human. Here's all. You just need enough faith at that moment to say, Jesus, help me. Yeah. You just get back up. I, I have lived my life with just enough faith to go, help! And Jesus immediately will pick you up and say, All right, let's go again. You're gonna have those moments. Don't be ashamed of that. All of us do. And if you're trying to get something done in this life, you're gonna have those faith flushes. There's nothing wrong with you. Man, Jesus put that guy in charge of the church. He believes in you. Amen. Last thought. Last thought. When you're in a storm, walk on the water. Walk on the water. Here's what the water is Ephesians 5 tells us husbands to do this wash your wife with the water of the word to walk on the water is to walk on the word Simon Peter walked on the water it's true but he walked on the water because he walked on the, here's what he said Jesus if that's you tell me to come and Jesus said it's me it's my word come and Jesus stepped out on the word of Jesus, on the promise, on the command of Jesus. Jesus will never command you to do something he doesn't give you the grace to obey. And when he says, don't be afraid, it's not a shaming, don't be afraid. It's don't be afraid, I'm here in the storm and there's grace for you to believe and receive that. Simon Peter got out of that boat and he began to walk on 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 the command of Jesus Here's the deal. He didn't deny the reality of the storm. He walked on it by a higher authority and, and reality. The word of God trumps this, all the sickness and disease and the storm and all of that. Your circumstance isn't the only reality. There's a higher one, and the word of God is it. I'll give you an example. Uh, back in the 80s when the faith movement came out, there was a lot of teaching about confession, and it got some of it got weird, and some, some of you that have been in this a long time, you may have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. I want you to know confessing the word, the devil would love you to throw out confessing the word. Man, it's in the Bible. Speak the word of God. To walk on the word of God, it means this, to get it inside of you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing comes, by the word of God. Faith comes by you getting scripture in you. Hearing God speak when you get it in you and you begin to meditate on it, God will actually speak directly to you and your situation from what you're meditating on. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. You tracking with me? So getting the scripture in you, that's what you're gonna walk on. I hope I'm making sense. By faith, you walk. Your part is you gotta get the word in you. You gotta cut out all the other junk trafficking in your mind, get the word of God in you, not volumes of it, a handful of memorized scriptures that go to your storm, and you start walking on those. Some years ago, 1981, Dodie Osteen, who is Joel Osteen's mother, John Osteen's wife, 1981, Dodie Osteen was diagnosed with liver cancer at MD Anderson Hospital and sent home with two weeks before she was to die. The morning after that diagnosis, John and Dodie got up and she tells the story so sweetly and I've seen it a bunch of times. They got up, they laid face down on the floor and John prayed for his wife and he said, I rebuke the spirit of infirmity and the spirit of sickness. I rebuke that spirit. And God, I need Dodie. And her children need her. And our church needs her. And more than all of that, God, you need her here. I speak healing over my wife. And it was December the 11th, and she said, December the 11th, 1981, I stood up and said, on December the 11th, I confess, I am healed. She said, I didn't feel any better. My skin was still yellow. I still felt terrible. But she got her Bible out, she put it on the ground and she prayed this, Lord, would you be offended if I stepped on your word? And he said, of course, she knew that he wouldn't be. Puts the Bible down and she said, she put her little feet on it and stood on it and said, I am going to stand on the word of God. She dressed her nicest every day. She began to forgive anybody she could think she had the slightest inkling of having not forgiven. She was doing her part. This is her song, this is her seed of faith. But then she memorized or she began to quote 40 different scriptures and you can find these if you wanna just, you can Google them. She began to quote 40 different scriptures over and over. What was she doing? She was walking, not denying the, the, the medical reality but she put a higher reality on top of it. She was walking on top of her circumstances on the word of God. They were scriptures like these. He who dwells in the secret place, Psalm 91, who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, I will will speak with my mouth, he is my refuge and fortress. My God and him will I trust. Regarding confession, Joel 3.10 says this, let the weak say, speak. Let them say I'm strong. Speak to your circumstances. Psalm 91, 5, 6 says, fear nothing. Everybody say fear nothing. fear nothing. Fear nothing. Not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows by the day, not disease. I will not fear disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts, at high noon Proverbs 4:20 My son attend to my words consent and submit to my sayings let them not depart from your sight keep them in the center of your heart the word of God for they are life to those who find them healing and health to all their flesh Philippians 2:13 she would quote it is God who is at work in me both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Romans 8, 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life. Everybody say give life. life. Give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. There was a woman, I believe her last name is Smith from Missouri, and when her son was 14 years old, regarding this particular scripture, she got the call no one wants to get. Her son had fallen through the ice while skating, playing with some friends. The paramedics got to him. He had been out for thirty minutes when the paramedics got to him. He was at the hospital for an hour before mom could get there, and he hadn't had oxygen to his brain for one full hour. And the doctors and all of the medical people said, "It's over." And they came to get her and said, "You need to go." In essence, say goodbye to your son. We we done it. So she goes into the room, and here's the deal: she didn't deny the storm, but she had something above the storm that she could bring to the situation. She had been in a Beth Moore Bible study called Believing God, and this particular scripture was stuck in her. She grabbed his blue and cold feet while they're working on him, and she says, God, you said, your word says, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus' dead body from the grave dwells in us. And since he can quicken his mortal body, he can quicken our mortal body. You save my son. I call on the Holy Spirit to breathe life into my son. And at that point, and she said it so loud, the people in the the, the waiting room heard her. She was violently going after the promise of God. And at the moment that she said that, the nurse, and this is verifiable miracle, medically verifiable miracle, the nurse said, I've got a pulse. And as that boy started to beat still comatose, they said to her right there beside him, hey, your son, he may live a few, few days, but if he actually survives, he'll be nothing but a vegetable. And she defied them. She said, don't you ever say that in his presence. Don't come in this room. And I will not want any nurse or any doctor coming in here saying anything predicting what he is or is not gonna do. You keep that noise outside of this room and she protected that room. And 16 days later, that boy walked out perfectly Amen. healthy Amen. because she stood on the word. Dodie Osteen's 87, I think, today. Beautiful, her, her, her youth has been renewed like an eagle because that's the word of God. Now, I wanna read some scripture to you. Why don't you stand to your feet? I like prayer teams, elders. All to come, because some of you are going to be stepping out of a boat in just a minute to receive your healing. Matthew 8, two, uh, 2 and 3 says, Behold, a leper came to him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Is Jesus willing to heal you this morning? Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. Exodus 23, 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you, Psalm 103, 15. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquity and heals all our diseases. James 5, the Word of God says that we're walking on. If anyone is among you is sick. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. That is bigger than any doubt or any thought going on in anybody's mind. It's bigger than any calamity or storm of sickness or disease or financial craziness or kid craziness or marriage craziness. Any storm that you're in, the Word of God is bigger and stronger, and today what God has called me to do is particularly two things. If you're here today dealing with physical sickness, disease of any kind, malady in your body, today if you'll step out of where you're at, out of that boat and come up here, the word of God will be applied to you and you will be healed. If you're here today and you're dealing with fear, Fears of any kind, of any anxiety. You just need to know this. God has, does, hasn't given you a spirit of fear. And today, the power of fear will be broken over your life. Your job is to step out of the boat. And I, I'm gonna begin to pray. And as I begin to pray, you begin to move out of your seats and come up here. We have elders who can pray and anoint with oil. We're gonna slather everybody up who is sick because the word of God, there's nothing magical about the oil except for it's obeying the word of God and saying, I'm gonna step on this and not just what the doctor can give me. Today, people are gonna be healed and people are gonna be set free. And if that's you and you're tired of waiting on it and hoping and you've said, I've done it a thousand times, knock off all of that doubt, get out of that boat, get out of your seat and come up here and you will be healed. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. Jesus, walk through this room. Walk into these storms right now in the name of Jesus. Walk in every storm. Walk on top of it. Jesus, walk on top of the storm that every person is in right now and those dealing with sickness and disease and cancers and diabetes and all kinds of arthritis and back and shoulder and nerve, all kinds of disease. Today, in the name of Jesus, we step out of the boat and we come to say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, if it's you, if that's you, if that's your word, I can count on it, I'm gonna come walking toward it. Wherever you're at in your seat right now, if you wanna receive that, come up. Come on up, step out of your seat. Step out of where you're at and come let somebody pray for you. Jesus, if that's you, if that's your word, if that's for me, tell me to come. Jesus is saying to you today, come, come. Come receive your healing. I'm afraid, Jesus. I'm afraid, God. Don't be afraid. I'm here. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He cleanses us of all of our sin and heals all our diseases, every disease. Step out of the boat. Come receive. We're two or more gathered In my name, there I am in the midst, and where two or more would agree as touching, the thing they ask will be done. Step out on that word in Jesus' name. I'm the God who heals ye. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise God. God. Thank you God. Lord, thank you that healing is in the in the altars right now. Freedom is in the altars. Financial storms right now in Jesus name. Thank you God. Thank you Lord Jesus. you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Make your way this way. If you want to be set free today, you want to be healed. Thank you, God. Praise God. Gang, if you would like to stay and be just a part, just kind of hang out, you certainly can. I'm going to pray over all of you. You guys know how we receive our tithes and offerings. It's it's, uh, through the slides that you'll see behind me and as well, the white boxes on the back. I want to pray for you and ask that you just reverence the auditorium. If you'd like to just stay in the presence of God, do. Uh, But if you'd like to fellowship, certainly understand. If you would take that outside, but I want to bless you as you go today. Father, in Jesus' name, bless this congregation. Thank you that you are stirring the waters like the bull of... Pool of Bethesda, at the Crossing Church, we're being stirred. Healing's in the water. There's freedom in the water. Salvation's in the water. The water of the word. Prosperity's in the water. Lord, we bring our tithe, our financial gifts to you in total trust that you'll calm the financial storms around us. Thank you, Jesus. Bless the giving. Bless this day. Bless this church, Lord. And thank you for your presence. We love and honor you, God. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Find more of our podcasts on iTunes or in our audio library at thecrossing.cc.